Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. For a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in through our online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could join us as well. As you guys know, I love being able to share great books with you guys as well as the authors that write them. So you guys are getting a two-for-one. We're excited to welcome back Pamela Mashana to our broadcast today. She's the author of the series Girls in Search of Cover, Part 1 and two that are out now. I want to talk to her not only about this journey for her of telling these stories, but also what it's been like for her to connect with readers as well. If you guys are just finding out about the series, we'll let you know what you can expect as you're reading it, as well as how you can stay connected with Pamela as well. Pamela, so glad to speak with you again. Welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks so much, Cyrus. It's always a pleasure to be with you on your show. Thanks for sharing your platform with myself and so many authors. And Hello, everybody out there. Well, look, we're glad to be able to speak with you. I'm excited for two reasons, uh, Pamela. One, to talk about this year that's been a very big year for you. I mean, the series has been getting a lot of attention. Let's talk about that because, uh, you know, I'm all about celebrating the wins. I'm getting better at that myself. But what has it been like for you to celebrate the success of the series and the attention that it's getting? Oh, it's been so much fun. You know, you spend so much time writing a book, and you're hoping the world is going to receive it uh, and appreciate it and all of your effort. Um, I always like to both entertain as well as send a positive message, help people through maybe struggles in life. And I think it's because I've had some struggles in my life. So when I win an award and I'm validated by my peers or judges, people in the industry, Oh, my God, I'm just elated. I'm so excited. And it's affirming. So it helps me um, during those times when maybe there's writer's block or, um, you know, just going through a challenge. It keeps me going and say, you know, I keep writing because people like what you're doing. They're getting something from what you're doing. And I've heard back from people who told me the book touched them and even inspired them to help other people. So for me, that. That's what it's all about. Pamela, that brings you bring up a really good point, and this is why I think even growing up, fiction was a big part of my life, because even though we are talking about characters that aren't quote-unquote real, the situations they go through are real. The situations in yeah. Girls in Search of Cover is a lies for a lot of people. Do you think that also is part of the connection that people are feeling, Pamela, that maybe they haven't gone through everything your characters have, but they can relate, they can relate to the feelings and emotions that they're going through? Yes, and you know, I that's important to me as an author, and I've noticed that whether I'm writing a play or books, um, I really explore the psychological journey of the character, and I think when people can resonate with some aspect of the character, it may not be the exact situation that the characters are in, but maybe their reflection, their introspection, their uh, thoughts about how the world works, and it's layered in this book so many things where you touch on anything from uh, racism, uh, 
sexual abuse, generational uh, blessings and curses. It, it deals with actually a lot. And um, it's called Girls in Search of Cover, as you know, but I've had men say that it's really touched them and it's resonated with them. So um, I think that's true. I think, you know what it's about? Transcends uh, race, culture, um, and it just it touches the heart. So I think that's what's happening, and it seems like it because of some of the feedback I've received. And, and again, that's what makes me most happy. Right. So how did this all begin? For those who are new to you, Pamela, how did the idea for the series come about? You know, um, I would call it a true inspiration. And while it's a fiction, I do know something of of these uh, this type of story. I do have some abuse in my background. So some of the um, emotions, not necessarily the situations that the character is in, um, are very close um, to me. So, um, again, I feel like I was really inspired, almost like the story just, you know, came to me, um, almost like a, like a gift from God. And, um, of course, once you get that first draft out, which, again, I think it just kind of spilled out of me, <laughs> um, yeah. then you go back and you look for the artistic uh, elements of it and make sure all of that is there. So the journey for me was, was like that. I listened to what the characters were saying in my head, and I, I put it on paper. <laughs> yeah, well, love that. I, I think you know, the idea of, especially when you come to the main character, Carmilla, that we're able to meet, You know, there are a lot of people who will see her, her journey from part one to part two. What was that like for you to see where we first meet her in part one and her own evolution and growth, Pamela? Well, you know, when we're first introduced to her, she's a young girl, um, and she's a bit of a spitfire, and she's an outcast, and she's trying to find her own way. She has a crush on a on a young boy, but even he's taken away from her. Um, so she has a lot to grapple with as a young person, and the places where you would expect to be nurturing for her actually isn't there. Um, we, As you know, um, there's a president of the mother's board who is against her whole family, including her, and makes her way hard or difficult on purpose. So um, it's very challenging. Um, she's also, you know, a funny character, a smart character. But as we go into um, – so we see a lot of the onset of her abuse in part one and how she's navigating through that Luckily, she has her her grandma, Ma Evans, who's strong and a matriarch, and she's trying to pass that strength uh, to her daughter and to her granddaughter. As we move into part two, uh, she's older and and a bit wiser because she's been through so much. Um, yeah. So we are beginning to see her art change and her gain strength and begin to fight back um, against those forces, uh, mainly <laughs> Mother John's who's determined to make her life miserable. 
Yeah, yeah. I want to definitely talk to you about the Mississippi Connection, uh, Pamela, because our Mm -hmm. radio audience is here on the radio down here in Mississippi. Definitely want to get into that. But I want to say for those who are just tuning in, though, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome back award-winning author Pamela Mashana to our broadcast today. She's the author of the series Girls in Search of Cover. I'm going to remind you how you can get your own copies of the books and stay connected with Pamela as well. You mentioned uh, Mother Johns, and it's an interesting uh, character. I thought about one of the things that comes up in Part 1 um, that Mother John says in her thoughts that we're able to read, um, thanks to your sharing it with us, is that when talking about Crimea, uh, her thought was, ain't nothing pure in your DNA. Uh, I, I think there are so many people, Pamela, who have either been told that about themselves mm-hmm. uh, or have felt that way, that people think that. Talk to us about what that was like for you to have someone like Mother John, someone who should have, as you were alluding to, should have been a support system to someone like Crimea, um, kind of already prejudge her based on where she's been. Sure. But first, let me give a shout-out to everybody in Mississippi, everyone who's listening, but also Mississippi. My roots are in Mississippi. My grandmother and mother um, are from there. So, hey. (laughs) And um, I will – so it's set in Mississippi, and a lot of that is is coming from, uh, you know, my grandmother helping me understand, really, the world she grew up in. So uh, back to uh, your question – you know, Mother Johns is a character. You can only say things so mean and so evil if you have deep hurt inside of yourself. So yeah. whenever people are that vicious in real life or fictional, <laughs> you know that there's layers, there's things inside that's very wrong for them. And so I believe that I've drawn a well-rounded character in her. So we see her hopes, her dreams, what she's concerned about. But we also see that she's very revengeful. She has a lot of hurts in her own past, and she hasn't been able to move past it. And though she has a position like a mother of the board, she has these struggles, these demons that chase her. And so hurting people hurt other people. And um, so that that's who she is. But then I have a character foil to kind of offset her. There is uh, Mother Givens, who is, the likeness of what a true um, mother of the church would be in terms of being nurturing and loving and not having those things that she's holding on to. And in fact, she urges Mother John to let those things go and reminds her that she should be um, showing more of the character of, of a mother of the church. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I love the fact, too, uh, that even with that, uh, right. I mean, what you're able to show that, you know, just because someone is in church <clears throat> doesn't mean that they <laughs> that they are representing <laughs> the best uh, of of themselves and can't have people sometimes think, you know, the worst of, of, of faith even. There's another layer of this book, and you and I had a great conversation recently, Pamela, and we didn't talk about this. We did talk about the covers of your books, part one and two, kind of showing the generations mm-hmm. of the women. But even behind them, the ancestors are a very big part of this. I thought about that as you were mentioning your own roots here in Mississippi. Talk to us about that element of the story. It's one thing to talk about generational 
curses, of course, one thing our audience will be mm-hmm. familiar with hearing about and issues that kind of go from generation to generation. But talk to us about the ancestors and how that became such an important part of this story. Sure. It actually came – I used to have a symbol in my book, and I was using a boulder. And one day my daughter said to me, why is it a boulder? You love trees so much. When she mentioned trees to me, oh, such beauty unfolded because in trees – I remember my grandfather, who was also from Mississippi, telling me he had to cut friends down from trees. So it made me start thinking about – the history, the knowledge that trees have, if you will. Um, They've been here for generations. So what better symbol uh, to kind of play around with the whole generational aspect of the story and the themes as well. So on the cover, we have etched into the bark of the tree on the cover some of the faces of of the ancestors. And I use the word ancestors interchangeably with the word the word cloud of witnesses. So they play a kind of spiritual part of her journey and her meaning Carmia as she transitions from youth to adulthood. um, Actually, when she reaches a better place and they're urging her toward that all along in the story, it's kind of symbolic that she did it not just for herself, but for all of them. Um, so even her um, her grandmother, uh, the things that her grandmother uh, teaches her, she carries these voices inside of her. And when she's in a difficult situation, it's part of what helps her move forward. And I think we can all relate to that. We have, um, well, I think most of us <laughs> can relate to having that kind of support system around. If you listen, we always have older people telling us, or trying to pass their wisdom to us to show us a better way so that we don't suffer uh, in ways that they have. And so in the beginning, it's not resonating with her so much, but as she continues in her journey, she sees it as a gift and she embraces it to help her move along. Yeah, such a great thing, and I think it's such a great thing for us to bring up. I think it goes to another point too, Pamela, that I love about this, that even though – Carmia and others may feel by themselves and what they're going through. I think having that cloud of witnesses, as you described it, having that support reminds them that they're not alone, almost like a cheering squad. Um, And it kind of brings up the idea of a tribe. I mean, we all have our own tribe, hopefully, that's there for us, rooting for us, encouraging us. How have you benefited from your own cloud of witnesses and tribe supporting you along your journey? Wow, that's a wonderful question. And, yeah, I do have that kind of support system, and maybe that's what gives shape to my thinking by way of that as I'm writing. Um, I certainly have my mother. I have my daughter. I have so many family members, aunts, and people who are uh, supportive of me. But you know what? My brother passed away some years ago, and I believe that in a way he's still there, like, uh, the Bible says a cloud of witnesses, they're, they're cheering for us. I even believe that there's prayer happening in heaven. And a scriptural way to think of that would say um, when it says that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. So I feel rich in that way that I have, um, I have God, I have the Holy Spirit. I have, so yeah. I feel rich in that way that I'm surrounded by 
physical people, even friends and people I've met on this journey, you have been such a blessing to me, Cyrus. So I feel that um, I feel that I have physical representations of that, authors that I've met, um, and they're helping me in my journey because it's all actually fairly new to me, and I'm learning my way, and I thank God that he provides people who – are willing to share their knowledge and know-how to help me along the way. So it's happening in my life as, as in some ways it's happening uh, for my character. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. Again, I want to say hello to those who are joining us on the radio side of WYAD 94.1 FM, as well as, of course, our online affiliate as well. We're joined today by award-winning author Pamela Mishana. We're talking with her about her series, Girls in Search of Cover. Part one and part two are out now. For you guys who are joining us online via the podcast, the link is there for Amazon. You guys will be able to get it for yourself. If you guys are joining us on the radio side, we'll make sure that we post that in our Facebook group for the radio station if you guys would be able to go there. Pamela, have you gotten used to I haven't asked you this question. Have you gotten used to the idea? I've been calling you, of course, award-winning author. You have these books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Have you, has the journey of being a not only a published author, but award-winning author, has that been something that's been easy for you to embrace? You know, it's funny to talk about it because there's something in me that says you don't want to brag. But at the same time, I want to celebrate the wins because they're so hard won. Um, So I have been absolutely elated by the fact that um, the Book Fest uh, chose my part two as um, first place winner for uh, women's fiction. Um, It's not just about, ooh, look at me, I have an award. It's such encouragement. And it's encouragement that's needed. So I'm learning more and more to just be myself and walk in it. And you can't really worry about if people take it the wrong way. You, yeah. I think you have to just center your own heart and know where you're coming from and then just be true to yourself and, and hopefully the world will respond positively uh, from, from that, from that authenticity. Exactly. Great point. I do want to talk about a serious topic that's also a timely topic. We haven't discussed this in our conversations together, Pamela, and I was thinking about it as I was prepping for this. In part two of the book, one of the things that Carmine has to deal with is the the hating of self. And this is something that a lot Mm -hmm. of young girls can relate to, especially girls of color. And there's a, even a part in Chapter 13, Women Like Me, where Carmia, one of the thoughts she has is that she wished that she was, was like a white woman, like her friend Mackenzie. I want to talk about that because self-hatred um, and our self-loathing is another thing, I think, that drives so many people to act the way that they do. Why, why was it important for you to address that, that outside of the other issues that Carmia has dealt with, that of of not seeing the value in herself and those who look like her. What was it like for you to address that? Well, there's an element or or theme of colorism in this story as well, and it's explored how uh, within the African-American race we judge lighter skin as better, and this character is grappling with this too. She's actually not that dark, but – she sees this friend of hers, Mackenzie, who's a white um, lady, and she, well, a girl when she meets her, um, and she she sees that her world seems somehow easier and better, and she seems to be loved and cherished like a princess, and basically that is what she wants. 
in a sense, her cover has been removed. She feels that she's no longer pure, and she's searching to regain that purity. So she sees a softness in white women that she doesn't see in herself and in some of her her matriarchs and the people that's around her. So I even allude and play around with the things and idea of baggage that's been carried over from slavery, self-hatred, becoming tough because of circumstances, not because you're not um, a beautiful woman, but life circumstances have caused oftentimes um, women of color to have to toughen up just to survive. so I'm kind of exploring some of that through her own introspection in the book. So I think I mentioned earlier that part of it is her psychological journey. But, of course, that's balanced by her um, realizing the beauty of her own race and eventually coming to, um, I would say, a, a more balanced and healthy understanding. Uh, not all of that unfolds in that way, but is certainly alluded to as she comes um, towards the end of her journey in part two. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I think, too, we see the growth in Carmilla, though, even in that, because as you write about uh, in the book, Pamela, and again, this is something I had not brought up before, but as you wrote about in the book in Chapter 21 in the, ch- in the chapter Karma, where uh, Carmilla hears other girls talking about, you know, uh, you know, a girl not being pretty like her, you know, how her green eyes mm-hmm. make men weak. I mean, so it really goes to uh, the, the whole thought. And, and I love the fact that you wrote, Carmilla chuckled at how young and naive uh, she sounded mm-hmm. talking about that. And so uh, it really does go to see how, you know, there is that, that growth there for sure. So I, I have to ask you this question for audience that may be wondering, you have part one, part two, what is next? What, what should our audience expect mm-hmm. next for this series? For this particular series, uh, I think I'm going to go back and do a prequel first before moving forward. And that's come as a result of what readers have asked for. They want to know a little more of the history of the Mother's Board and Ma Evans and their generation and how did they get so tangled up in all the conflict and hurt that's going on there, uh, which is impacting the lives of the current young people uh, and hurting them. So um, I'm going to explore that. And then another thing is people want to know more about about Carl. So after writing the prequel, um, I think I'll, I'll delve into showing a little bit more of how the male characters are navigating in such a world. Mm. All right. So that gives us something mm-hmm. to look forward to for sure. Again, everyone, award-winning author Pamela Mashana has been our guest. She's the author of the books Girls in Search of Cover Part 1 and Part 2. Again, if you guys are joining us via the cast, you all can find the link for Amazon. You all can get uh, both of the uh, books there. Of course, you can get both of the Kindle editions for less than 8 bucks right now. She has them on sale, so definitely take advantage of that. If you guys are joining us on the radio side here in Mississippi, we'll make sure that we post the link uh, on our Facebook page uh, where you guys are actually seeing the promo for this particular episode as well. Pamela, always great to be able to talk with you. How can our audience stay connected with you? Well, I 
always love to talk to you too and to be on your show and to share with all of your listeners. And the way they can stay in touch with me is my website, uh, com, and even more so to even contact me on Instagram, which is uh, Dr. Pamela Mashana. And um, I also have Facebook and I have my Facebook page that's specifically for readers and authors, which is Dr. Pamela Mashana, Mashana's Reading Room. So uh, engage with me on social media. I just love to hear from readers, and you will definitely hear back from me if you DM me, get in touch with me, um, because that's part of the joy and fun of it. All right. Well, Pamela, congratulations to you again. Glad we had a chance to catch up again and looking forward to our next chat together. Thanks so much. Me too. You're more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.